Hello and welcome to the Acolytes of Merlin. Uh, today we'll be doing kind of a, a different type of uh, episode. We're going to be talking about the Stormlight Archive, but in a more broader sense. Uh, up, because we haven't really done that much, and up through Words of Radiance. Um, excluding everything from Oathbringer and Rhythm of War. Uh, so, uh, we have some, well, so first of all, I'm, I'm Johnny. I'm John. Uh, we have some guests who, uh, they've been on the podcast before, but here is... I'm Tim. And I'm Aaron. Alright, so, uh, Tim is kind of the newest first one of us to the series. Uh, so, a- any particular thoughts uh, on a kind of a higher level or just specific things you might want to mention or um, bring up? So Wherever you want to start. Um, I, I will say that you had really advocated for me to read this, uh, but and I hadn't read any Sanderson previous to you talking about Sanderson. Uh, but you then told me to read the Mistborn trilogy before I got into Stormlight, uh, which I did. Um, and so there was definitely like high expectations. There was definitely a high bar that was set. Um, I think they are excellent stories. I think the characters have been very enjoyable and, and very relatable and believable thus far. Um, I, I, the action scenes have been excellent. Um, I mean, I think overall, I think having read the first two books, I'd give what I've read so far like a, a strong B+. Plus okay. As far as, as, as books. Okay. No? Solid. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, spoilers for... Just to be make sure I'm clear, spoilers through at the very least everything in the Stormlight Archive up to the end of Words of Radiance, and I'll tag in like at the description anything that anything else that we might touch on because we probably won't just talk about Stormlight. Yes, because we so we're talking about those first two books, and this is not a fo- spoiler free discussion. Yes. Uh, yes, up to that point. So up to that point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And just for my own. Um, cognizance when I'm talking because you know especially um, being where I am in the series because I'm, I'm up to date with, with Rhythm of War um, so having that new perspective on the series it's it's hard to talk about a series or at least part of a series when you know more information and I'm trying to remember what happens at the end of Words of Radiance that's one of the side effects of of reading a series and then going back and talking about only part of it because you have more of the fleshed out picture of what is to come or things that have come out. Yes, and and I'd like to jump on that to say that it's especially with this kind of series where um, the the extra stuff that you know mm-hmm. is not just a matter of things that have not happened for an earlier reader yet, but also things that completely color the way that you look at everything that did come in earlier books. Yeah, that's very so true. You're, you might be t- we might be talking about words of radiance, but uh, I who's who have read only one through three, Tim who's read one through two, and Johnny and Aaron who've read one through four, mm-hmm. um, will have different ideas of what everything in Words of Radiance means. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and to, to Aaron's comment, I think trying to remember where certain events fall in any series of books yes. can be challenging. Um, let's use 
um, Game of Thrones, <laughs> or, um, or sorry, A Song of yeah. Ice and Fire, the series, as an example, where I have like a pretty good appreciation for what happened in what book. But the fact that books four and books five um, do have like overlap <sighs> chronologically, so it can be a little difficult to remember wait, which one was which book and which happened first and second. Mm. But I feel like, um, you know, that series as a whole, it's pretty easy to remember because there are really big events within that series. You know, you can remember what happened up until Ned Stark getting his head chopped off and everyone dispersing. Um, you can remember uh, Jon Snow going up to the wall and crossing, you know, to the north and holy shit, the White Walkers are coming. So I feel like there are benchmarks within that series. Mm. Uh, but to use as a comparison that that doesn't work... I um, think I know where you're going to go. I is think I was a Wheel of Time, yeah. <laughs> where like, there are certain things that I remember vividly mm. from certain books, mm -hmm. but otherwise, I, talking with John and Johnny, like, all right, so I remember this happened in somewhere... Uh, like The two of them be like, oh yeah, this happened, book this and that. But because it's such an amorphous world, and because... The things, like the big plot points that happen, are they, they, they kind of happen very quickly. Mm. Uh, they, they don't happen with as much build-up as what I've seen in the Stormlight Archives. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like with Stormlight yeah. Archives, oh, you can yes. see, um, you know, using the Shattered Plains and using anything that's happening there, mm -hmm. you know, the battle at the Tower... I can vividly remember like, oh, well, we're, we're building up to what do we want to do? And then that movement happening. And then in Words of Radiance, all right, we're going to end this. We're going to fulfill the Vengeance Pact and we are going to, you know, just take out the Parshendi and end this war. And there's definitely a difference between the conversations that the war camps had in those two books. Same setting, same people, same types of conversations but two major events bookending that, so it's very easy to kind of fit that in. Whereas with Wheel of Time as a series, uh, evil ones here, the dark ones here, the you know the Forsaken are running around. That's every book. So I I agree with the broad point, kind with part kind of the main thing I will push back with Wheel of Time is that there's only one specific instance where I think the what's happening in what book doesn't matter. And that's Crosses of Twilight, and that's because yeah. that book doesn't matter. But, oh, sorry. But, like... But that's also the only book that's happening at the same time as another book. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. It's yes. It's the same thing as Song of Ice and Fire books 4 and 5. The difference is that with Ice and Fire book in 4 and 5... Like, the the climax of books four and five is in book... Like, the climactic stuff is in book five. At the end, the reader reaches us at the end of all of that. In Wheel of Time, with Winter's Heart and Crossroads of Twilight, the climax of all of that is the end of book nine, which is Winter's Heart. Crosses of Twilight is what was going on during that with all these minor characters that have no impact on anything that's going on with that incident. I will say that um, as much as I like the, the, the two books out of the series, um, books two and three of The Wheel of Time, I get events mixed up. 
between them. I could see um, that. Uh, yeah. Particularly yeah. anything with the Aiel because they're very undefined at that point. Yes. And so I know that they, that they like run into the female channelers, the Supergirls. Yes, but... in book two, right? I mean, or, I, mean, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think both. But I like, think it's what... more book three. Than, they, they get developed more in book three, but yeah. book two is all... I mean, I'm able to keep those events straight in my head, but I, that's, that could just be symptomatic of I have indicators within my memory that I'm able to attach that to. Okay. Um, you mean outside the series? No, but within the series. Within the series. Yeah. Um, okay. Mm. But I, I think... But again, I have multiple areas within the series that I do have difficulty uh-huh. trying to uh, keep things uh, straight in my head. So, yeah. um, I mean, it is good to know that you know you also have a couple of like areas where you're like, yeah, I can't remember where this yeah, happened or that happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, it's like my. It's for me, it's like the. I agree with that broader point, specifically with the Ibu Dar sections. Like I, I, I remember what's this like? Like I know it's like well, it ends in book eight. Uh, because like that's when they do the weather, like the big weather spell, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the, the big weather, like the, the big weather ritual, weather ritual, uh, and like it starts when they get there in book six, but but like kind of, and the golem is seven, but I don't really remember. Like actually, I guess I remember, yeah, maybe I can differentiate what yeah. I thought because mm-hmm. nine eve is also seven, but yeah, the nine eve like Mogadian thing, but. Can I almost depends, I, depends on which 90s we'll get Yes, okay. I, well, I, okay. <laughs> that could be book two so, as well. First of all, I, I almost said when 90s swears her ideal. <laughs> which yeah. is what happened. Well, I mean, as, what soon happens, as, as soon as like, you said 90, you had me from 90, what moment you were talking about. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, the, uh, where, where, like, she. Yeah, so yeah, she swears her ideal, and I, I must surrender uh, for my for my love. Well, like I, I feel there's there's a, a density in the a, a kind of density in the first three books. Um, I but it's not like generic density. It's it's like everything is. What do you mean by density? I mean that everything is happening. I, I consider everything to be happening really quickly there's just everything is everything is chock full there's no in my mind there's not wasted space hmm. um mm-hmm. and so and, and plus two and three are distinct but they also have in many respects have a similar structure to to them both um the reason i don't get it mixed up with one is because one's scenes seem more iconic to me yeah well one one has the very Distinct and intentional. This is the, this is a paying homage to Tolkien in certain. Well, more from the beginning, but in yeah. like different parts. Um, I mean, I I differentiate now. As we talked about on when we did the episodes, I feel I don't. I wouldn't say wasted space, but I do feel like like there are stretches of two and three that's. That that are kind of like oh they're in another town oh they're in another bar oh they're in another town oh there's a dark friend mm-hmm. uh, which is fine because the, especially for that first three that's the stories that he was telling uh, just not uh, but anyways that's a tangent but. well and and so comparing that uh, back to Stormlight mm-hmm. um, so far in Stormlight we we've had a pretty contained set of characters mm-hmm. as far as whether it's point of view but then additionally even like secondary or tertiary characters um 
And I don't see that changing from what I've experienced thus far with books one and book two. Uh, because you've, you've kind of had, like, the snippets of, like, the interlude chapters. Right. Where, like, it's clearly, like, again, Lyft. Lyft is a character that yes. is clearly going to be a Radiant. Uh, like, that I can extrapolate very clearly. Um, and I'm assuming that, like, Lyft is going to get developed as a character in book three. But, just even looking at Wheel of Time, book one had, you know, you know the three, the Tavarian. And you had Moraine and Lan, and then you had, you know, the, the, the Wonder Girls, two of the three Wonder Girls, sorry, two of the four Wonder Girls joining up with that. Four. Four or five. Like, there's like. There's, no, there's three in the Wonder Girls. <laughs> one of them, like, well, does Min count as one of that? And like, no. You know, yeah, no, it's like. It's, it's Elaine, Aguina, So it's just, it's, so it's, okay. I would say, uh, you could argue, I mean, you could argue Min and Aviendo. But I like, guess, is Avienda, but, but then it's like, is it the three wives of Ryan and Althor? But, um. Yeah. But anyway, but getting to that point. Book two adds a lot of bloat characters, a lot of bloat characters that stick around for a while. Like Fayil, like as as parents, you know, Paramour. Like I wouldn't would, call her a bloat character. I see, and I would, having gotten through up to book ten, she doesn't do anything except for get kidnapped. Yeah, I, I well, okay. First of all, that is the absolute worst storyline in the whole series, and it should be excised when they do right. the show. But like, but 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 that's but I but you still she. I don't like them as a. I don't. I don't love Fayil's character. I don't hate her. I think she's fine. I think her and Perrin are fine together. But I. I wouldn't call her a bloat character because Perrin does need her for development in certain key. Like part of the series, except Perrin doesn't even like her. But we're getting off track. Yeah, okay. Um, sorry. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, but yeah, but you can't divorce that from right. the entire uh, conversation about romance, and, right? And how how he views it. Yeah, and I'm getting off point of the, and I'll let you talk. But like, uh, my point is, Wheel of Time just starts collecting characters as the wheel starts turning. Yes, so you know, uh, Sandor or Brigitte or um, I mean. Uh, just like all these characters that have the, a role well, to the, play. The Thief Breaker is the first one. Kieran is the, the book two one. Kieran, yes. Yeah. He's the, he, he's the main character. He's someone I would think of when I think of bloat characters. He, he, like, in terms of, like, he's there for that book and he's just really. He's one of the only people. He's the only people I think of when I think of bloat characters in terms of. You're meant to be somewhat. You're presented to be somewhat significant, but you're really not. Right. Which I wouldn't say the case is... Well, this is totally off topic. But, like, for the nobles of the Aes Sedai, there's a lot of them... They don't necessarily feel like bloat characters, but you all, but they're all, they also aren't presented as more than, like, oh, I'm another Aes Sedai or I'm another noble. Right. Well, and then to that point, um, you know, when you get farther into the books and you do get a lot of characters that are significant because the story is so vast, there's only so much story you can tell with that many characters and have the characters still be relevant and still be interesting and still contribute as well and find a way then to bring all those characters back. So going back to Stormlight, I'm really refreshed by the fact that from book one to book two, there were very few new characters introduced and that gave opportunity to the characters that I've already started, like, relating to, to kind of expand. Like, the new characters that existed, um, like Shallon's brothers. We, yes. I already knew that they were there. So just to have them expanded and, like, seeing them a little more in depth didn't feel like, 
Okay, well, yeah, that, that makes sense to, like, introduce them. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or I think another good example is... Um, uh, Sabriel, or what, like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm pronouncing his name. Sabario. Sabario, yeah. But, like, he was brand new. Like, I don't even know if he was mentioned I'm in sure Way of Kings. He probably, he's in a map. I know he's on the map. I'm sure he gets name-dropped, but I don't think you meet him. Right. So, like, you can consider him a new character. Yes. But he's also a character from an established pool of, or established community. Yes. Um, so, but again, it was a new character, new point of view, um... So again, like, and but that character was very integral to the plot. Well, yeah, it's, and it's, memorable. Yeah, oh, memorable. Very memorable. And, yeah, and, like, and his role is very clearly defined because it's because of that scene where Shalon is like, "I'm good, like, oh, but, oh, he, I could manipulate him into like letting me like." Getting me away from Dalinar and Adolin and giving me freedom or something and money. Yeah. <laughs> but what was what? Yeah, what was yeah and I feel like that speaks to why it's hard to talk about um, a series because you often end up using other series as a substitute. Also, spoiler alert for every series imaginable if you haven't caught onto that already. Um, <laughs> and it, just thinking about. Um, you know, everything I've read, like, things continue... Yeah, things things develop, and things that may have been one way in one book could be completely different in another book. And, like, the picture is still being formed. Like, there could be something that I know now that maybe several years from now I would be, like, completely turned on its head for whatever reason. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's wild to think about... Um, this Stormlight series as a whole because just of, of seeing where it is going and where it potentially could be going overall um, it's just it just gets larger with every book and so it's hard to like <laughs> zoom back in once I have the the, the zoomed out picture of yes thing. yes it makes it, perfect sense yeah, yeah it, it is I will say I think one of the one of the strongest aspects of the Stormlight Archive is its structure and how Sanderson has created this both uh, it's both kind of constraining enough that it kind of keeps him on track with kind of the two arcs of five books but also uh, gives but he still has some room with like the interludes and I I imagine there's some wiggle room and outlines for things he might want to do but um, but I think this the outline and the structure is like what you're saying what allows him to keep that like yes we're introducing new characters but these are kind of your because there are clearly defined there is a defined 10 main characters for the series because oh yeah each each or 11 depending on how you kind of look at different books but like um each book has a character that is the focus uh, and they get kind of flashbacks and are the quote unquote like main character of that book uh, but that kind of that 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 grounds the book in kind of in a main through line, even as he's doing some of this more crazy stuff. Like that's so like that's why you're able to have say like the Teravangian scene, which is just absolutely brilliant. But like mm. it's it's just kind of just bonkers and just a super crazy and creative concept that, that like the. Uh, ex- but still exist within the framework of the whole series because we're grounded in, hey, this is Shalon's book, 
uh, and these are all the things that have happened in this book, but you can still have like that check with Teravangian that kind of connects a lot of the strings together. I don't know. If that makes any sense, that was very tangential, but... Well, as a comparison and using Mistborn, one for the structure thing, um, having read Mistborn and knowing that there were aspects in book one that were better informed in book three and that there were things that happened in book one that that like, oh, by the way, what happens in book three? I didn't just make that up. I had it here all along. Specifically, Vin's earring, which like yes. I was very aware of like, okay, this earring is going to be important. Mm-hmm. And actually, as a reader, I was thinking like, oh, I'm envisioning like right now, there's going to be this awesome scene at the end of one of the books where she like takes her earring and she just coin shots it and like kills a whole bunch of people. Ah! Like, like that's what I was anticipating. <laughs> and, I mean, but, but as a reader, I mean, that that's the intention is yes. like, a good author wants you to start guessing things and want you to be aware so the fact that I picked up on the earring but I was wrong I think I'm still proud of the fact that I caught that the earring was important yes. and I am curious to see like okay were there people who like just like oh it's a memento and that's it and that's why we're talking about it you knew you were asking the right questions you, you, you realized that you were asking the right questions yeah. even if you weren't yes. getting the right answers and that made it yes. for a fulfilling reading experience but the fact that like the earring was like Oh yeah, this was like your whole like anti magic shell. So like that's like so the fact that like it, it you could very quickly go back and look at multiple scenes. You know when she is summoning the mist at the end of uh, book one when she does that, is summoning the Lord Ruler. Yeah, like, that, that's the big one. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you 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 just think about like like again like as my prediction was oh she's going to use the earring. Like, that was just a... Like, oh, well, Leon, you're in peril. Okay, whatever. Um, I completely just didn't think of that, which I think is, you know, speaks to Sanderson's writing and able to deflect and use smoke and mirrors. Um, Going back and taking that to Stormlight, um, one thing that I really appreciate is knowing that, okay, whatever he's setting up in book one, like, the fact that in, like, the very first opening is, you know, the Heralds. and and, no um, And and I, I love the fact that, like, you know, there's Kalak, K-A-L-A-K, and then late, like when they use it as like a swear word or as like, you know, oh God, it's K-E-L-E-K. Like I really like hmm. seeing how, you know, like, but like that kind of yeah, like builds his a, world. That and I'm like, a good time. yeah, that's a good touch. Um, but like then also knowing that, and I'm not going to remember his name, but the guy who, who ends up going to damnation, but then comes back at Tal- the end. Tal- Tal- yeah, yeah. Tom. Um, but the fact that, like, Tom, like, comes back and he's, like, fucking insane. Probably because he was just... Because he was it, tortured for thousands right, of Right, all by his lonesome, years, too. Yeah, uh, but the fact that, like... I'm like, wait a second. I know that name. And I was like, wait a second. I see one of those. Like, I, I remember I knew the name, but I didn't know where. And I just assumed that it was from the beginning. So, structure-wise, I really like the fact that, like, he calls out, like, that name is addressed in page 7. And then page... Fifth from the last or whatever, it's brought back in. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, go ahead. It's like the the concept what saying is what unexpected but and are surprising but inevitable. With like the, yeah, that would twist mm-hmm. in particular. Like the the first one this is one of my favorite twists ever. Like in the story, like the that shark that the spren are the, the radiant spren are the shard blade or the yeah. shard weapons. And like the fact that, like, you know, the ones that, like, you know, um, Adolin has and, you know, Dalinar yes. are dead spren. Yes. 
Well, and like, you know, going back to uh, theories, like my theory with Kaladin and the Shardblade. So like in book one, yes. like very easily, like right away, I knew like, oh yeah, Shallon killed his mo- her mom. And her dad is covering for it. Like, I, I saw that that's right away. A good, that's a good pickup. Uh, but that's also because I've I mean, seen I, that. I, I also got that. I, 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 I didn't catch that in book one. Yeah. Oh, oh, in book one. Yeah. yeah. Bo- oh, yeah. Yeah, in book one, I didn't Because, like, they talk about, you know, like, bloody carpet and, you know, body. And I'm just like, oh, oh, she totally killed him or killed her mom. But, I, again, I was thinking it was an accident. Mm-hmm. And her dad is taking the blame. Which completely explains why her dad is such a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so I saw that, and there was something else in book one where, um, like, I just kind of was like, "Oh, she's she's probably got one." But like in the back of my head, it was also like, "Oh, but but, but how could she have one? Like, how could she possibly have one? Like that that, that didn't make sense to me." So I wasn't mm. certain. Because I didn't know didn't that she had pieces. Pattern back then mm-hmm. until book two when Pattern is actually more developed of, you know, of character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pat- when Pattern said, well, I've been here the whole time. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, maybe that's hot. But regardless of that, uh, yeah, I picked up on that uh, very easily. But my theory with the Shardblade with Kaladin was, oh, he can't touch that Shardblade because he already has one. Not he can't touch that shardblade because it's a dead spren and well the answer is you were correct I mean I was sort of yeah <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I didn't know yeah. that his shardblade was still like I thought that right. like he had his own other separate one but that that's in the same pattern of you pick up on enough to feel like you are a part of the journey you're not just totally left out in the dark just t- taking yes. morsels as your as they as they come yeah you have enough. To try and anticipate the shape of the story mm. from that point on, but not so much that you already have it all figured out before it gets there. Right. Yes. And like it was satisfying to me as a reader to um, when when um, I realized, oh wait, no, Sill is the shard blade. And it's, you know, not what my theory was. But it was more satisfying for me to know that I was close. Um, this isn't a negative. But again, like, the Shallon thing, like, I'd seen that before in other books and in other stories. So for that, mm. it wasn't a, it wasn't satisfying for me to have seen, oh, yeah, like, I was right. Only because I thought that he was being repetitive with, with other ideas. But the fact that other people didn't catch it or didn't maybe had the theory in a different way just goes to show that different readers are going to bring different experiences into different books yeah. which is and then we'll going focus to focus on different, different details. details yes yeah. right yeah so again that doesn't diminish the quality of the book overall right. it was just okay well that was one plot line that didn't work for me but all these other plot lines really do yeah well that's that's true a lot of the characters uh, there's a lot of different types of characters that deal with a lot of different types of struggles and that you ch- there's a good chance that a given reader will connect with at least one of the characters in their struggles. I mean, at least in the, obviously the, like, first five, like, the main people would be, like, Kaladin, Chalon, Dalinar, mm-hmm. like, Venli, uh, or Nirvani, like, like, Ashenai, like, th- those are the people, like, Zeth, like, that, that's so, there's someone there 
Bernard and Adolin that like amongst all of those there's something that someone will one of those that someone will see themselves in or or relate to in some way we had this conversation already but I say Ashonai and you said Ashonai like but I love the fact that like oh like these like and like but even going back to Wheel of Time I always said Ebodar oh I always said Ebodar yeah yeah um so like that's always like I think like the fantasy world in general finance yeah we, we joke we joke before we should do like a pronunciation you can do like a podcast on pronunciation in like fantasy and sci-fi stuff but, but look at look at the expanse like with that you know you really don't need to worry about that like with um with with those characters it's it's okay it's let's say 400 years in the future but you had Santiago Singh as a character you had Kamina Drummer as a character. Right. You had, you know, these characters um, that have all sorts of current names. Yeah. Because names are only going to progress in an actual world so far. So you were able to create right. a sci-fi world right. with names that people right. can pronounce right. without having to, like, worry about it. Which, it definitely is something where, like, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce that. And that makes me feel detached from the story. And I think um, that's that's different than oh I like we pronounce things differently, but there are definitely like names where I'm like what what the... yeah I uh, I now nah, you don't no 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 author should um, get get you to that point yeah right, so right. Say, yeah yeah I, say, I, I the word deta- the phrase detached from the story I think is kind of strong but well no not detached I, from the story I guess detached from the moment might be a better okay sh- okay yeah sure I. Leave the fictional dream. Yeah, I, 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 I could buy that. <laughs> I've talked too much. Other people should. Um. Well, we've all got drinks. I had some. <laughs> I had um, some drink um, in my mouth. But um, uh, I would say that um, going back to um. Being being at different points in a series. Yes. Um, so you're yeah. So you're like in the middle of the four of us as far as your progression in the series. For I am. I am. Yeah. So I am uh, in a position where I am wary about what these two know, but am um, in 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 the best sort of way, smirking at a couple of the things you say <laughs> just because right. of yeah. of like oh, and I know that we're smirking at a completely yes. different. Reason. Yeah, and it's like, like I just yeah. I shoot yeah. myself in the foot yeah. because they yeah. Yeah. They, right. they do yeah. the smirk times too. Yeah, um, and, and not to interrupt you because I said just said I was talking to you much, but like, is that an enjoyable experience? Like, do you like? Oh, I'm excited for Tim to learn what I know and. The, the like I know something you don't know kind of thing in a positive way. Absolutely, yes. okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, they, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, yes. when, when, whenever someone's reading or watching something that I like have watched, I am always super stoked for them to get to certain points in mm-hmm. the yeah. mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. just to see how they re- react. It, yeah. If it's something that they that I think that they will like, kind of react in like an excited way to for them to read certain like like the big moment for me up in the first books of Word of Radiance, the big. Twist, well, the two big ones are Honor is Dead, but I'll see what I can do. Is might be my favorite one liner ever. Yeah. Like, just in, I remember, I'll never forget, I was listening to Word of Radio for the first time on my way to Denison to visit some friends. <laughs> and, like, and that moment happened, and I was like, 
I I started like fist bumping in the car mm-hmm. just because like I was so excited about like how that scene was playing oh, out. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> what was what was coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so like that, and then the that one, and then the Kaladin's uh, uh, third ideal where he gets the Sil Blade. Th- those are the two big things where like I just love those. So. I was unhappy with that scene. Why? One, because I knew Syl wasn't dead, but... Okay. Well, okay, yeah, sure. But, but ultimately, like, um, I, I liked when when Dalinar is talking to the Stormfather, and the Stormfather's like, I gotta go, one of my daughters is disobeying. Which I knew was like, okay, like, okay, well, that's clearly Syl. Oh, okay. Um, but then, like, Syl comes back. And is like talking and is like, you know, blah, 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 this and blah, blah, blah. But you have to say the words. And Kaladin is like, oh, I don't understand. And then Syl says, extend thy hand. I'm like, why are you using the word thy? Like, you've not, like, Syl has never used that word up until this point. Well, Brandon yeah. Sanderson, you're trying to make a dramatic moment more dramatic by using an archaic word. And for me personally, it made, it ruined the moment. Had Syl said, extend your hand, it would have been awesome for me. But the fact that Sanderson chose to use extend thy hand, and then Kaladin says, what? And she says, extend thy hand. Like, So, alright, I'll say two things on, a couple things on that. That's fair that it, it yes, it made it kind of overdramatic, and Sanderson does do that. I, for me, it doesn't diminish the awesomeness, but I just, I still am just in love with that moment. But I, it is, but he does, Sanderson does have some of his awkward or unnecessary phrasing things right. that he will do sometimes. Going off of that, though, the moment I loved regarding that was when Sil's just like, oh, I should probably be a spear. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty adorable. <laughs> um, I was thinking, though, that um, as far as the the attitude of... of someone being at that farther point in the series than the person beforehand Mm -hmm. um, is a great dimension to this. And probably the best popular example of this is the Game of Thrones TV show. Mm, Yes. Because it it is such (laughs) an adaptation that was such a huge success and it had a lot of twists and you had a lot of people who already knew what was coming as it was coming out. Yes. You just had these, these two... I would say classes of people. Yes. Um, and I w- will say that having read all the books before um, the show, well, before after, after season one, um, I would watch friends go through it, and I would have that that positive feeling you were. You were, you were talking about of like I can't wait for you to experience this yeah. um, and it is a I think that it is ultimately a, a generous sort of feeling um, but as much of many things that are um, anticipatory um, I remember at, when we're at the same point where I'm like I don't get to feel that way anymore and it's not like I'm missing any kind of superiority it's just like Oh, I was waiting for this moment, and now I don't have this moment to wait for yeah. anymore. Yes. That's, yeah. That disconnect almost creates a kind of exciting tension. Yeah. Um, yes. And then when it's gone, it's it comes with its own benefit, wait, wait. so you can talk freely. That, wait, yeah, because that, that, yeah, that, that's the big thing is like that I would say is 
that, that's one one potential negative with the other positive is now you can make all those references or comments or like mm-hmm. now we can have the that super in depth discussion that you've been waiting to have. Or, well, it's, it, it's communal, and I'm actually going to bring in Dungeons and Dragons into this conversation, but. Um, up until probably last year, all of the D&D that I ever played was homebrew. Hmm. It was all, oh. like, people making it up on their own. Really? And last year, um, my roommate Josh, we I had been DMing, and I had been DMing a homebrew, but I hadn't played a character in 5th edition, and I hadn't played a character mm. in a decade. And I'm like, look, I, I would really prefer to play a character. So Josh is like, let's do Lost Minds of Fendolver. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I was always reluctant to do modules. I was always reluctant to do a pre-made game because I, I was looking down on it. It's like, oh, you can't come up with your own ideas. You have to you have to rely on a book. But even within like the first session, at the end of the first session or the first battle, when Josh said like, oh yeah, like my group, this battle happened completely differently. I realized like, oh wait, like. I can play Lost Minds of Fandalver mm-hmm. and then talk about D like find out like someone else has played D and D. Oh, have you played this? Oh, you played Lost Minds of Fandalver too. Mm-hmm. Now we can actually talk mm-hmm. about an adventure that we have both gone on versus with Homebrew. Oh my god! Like I have this really cool character who did this and that, and you really, you don't have the connection. Yeah, it's not there. So with yeah with a book like when you, there is that communion that you get. With the shared experience. Right. And it makes sense that it's the polar opposite because that um, play... I won't say attitude. I'll say it's a place of... Um, I I have to... I, 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 drink. I, don't, I don't need a book um, and you need a book. Um, I have finished this book and you haven't finished this book. Those are exclusionary positions to be in. So when you get rid of that... Um, Separation, then what you're left with is community. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. no, but yeah, and it's funny that I have that, not, that on the D and D topic, and that's uh, I have that. Let's to that exact same thought when so I was also in Tim and Josh's campaign when uh, John, when you said that you you guys are doing Lost Man Defend I was like, oh, that's fun. We just did that. Like, I'll be mm-hmm. curious to hear like what you what happens when you guys get to different points or mm-hmm. what Josh or. Uh, DM like changed like right. to, to like make it kind of his own uh, projects of sorts um, so like that yeah it's, it's yeah. still like that kind of communal aspect but. right we will have we, we would have stories that would have elements that you might be completely unfamiliar with because of what the how the DM chose to to package a certain moment um but and you wouldn't know anything about that inside knowledge or inside joke. But there would be enough context around there to say, oh, you know, we're talking about the same area that you're fighting or exploring in, and you have this other element that's really funny, but it's relatable because I yeah. was there. Yes, exactly. Because I was there in a complete, like a multiverse kind of way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I think also Stormlight, one of the things that it's done incredibly well um, is its pacing. Like, I know, again, in, in a, with, um, with Way of Kings, a 1,275-page book, I never felt like it was slow. With the exception of the flashback stuff, which Way even then, like... Way of Kings or Words of Radiance? Ways of, Way of Kings. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, with did I say look? No, no. no. You okay. No, you yeah. did. You did. Yeah. With, just, with Way of Kings, yeah. uh, uh, and uh, the flashback thing is a separate thing. Um, but at no point did I feel as though like let's just get on with it. Like the Bridge Four stuff. Like it was great character development, and it was a great way to world build. I was just like wanting to get to the. I, I wanted things to converge. So, mm-hmm. like when when Johnny would ask me, like, "Oh yeah, what's going on in the book?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm on page six hundred, and uh, Kaladin's still running with bridges. <laughs> well, He's been I, doing that for a while well, now." I think, I, I think I literally told you I was like, "Well, that that, that is the book." <laughs> yeah, but again, but it, it it wasn't that I was bored or felt that it was right. slow. It was I know there's more, and I was excited for there to be more. Um, there are plenty of series where it's just like, get on with it. Again, Wheel of Time is a great example, especially like in the middle books. It's uh, Lord of the Rings, additionally. And Lord of the Rings is modeled off of Middle English literature. And that's just how Middle English literature was told. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole conversation for another time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and they're walking, and they're walking, and they're singing songs, and they make camp outside of this mountain. Canterbury Tales. Uh, well, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's right. It's, yeah, just how to be, like... Yeah. Structured. Yeah. Structured. And all, uh, Lord of the Rings... Well, Lord of the Rings is, like, yeah, almost a different beast for that, like, element. Whereas Lord of the Rings is more like the, hey, we're in this... Uh, it's I'm going to describe every single part of this, like, mountain, whereas Jordan is more... The, the Jordan is more. We're going to be doing this for half of a book when this could yeah. have been a third of a book. Um, but, but yeah. Um, uh, additional. Oh no! Go ahead. No, no. I, I've talked too much. So. Oh no! I, I was just going to say like we could like. It, it, we were talking. We're talking about this in the context of Stormlight, but I think Jonathan, your point about Ice and Fire is probably the best one uh, as far as like the. You, the two quote-unquote classes of people of like people who know the thing and people who don't but in a kind of exciting tension type of way mm-hmm. Anticip- anticipatory type of way is what I was looking for yeah and uh, I feel like I'm in the third class to that in that um I still have never seen Game of Thrones I've never read Game of Thrones uh, you're one of those but, I, but I know <laughs> you're, yeah you're that right <laughs> you know over time and over don't years like class. different things have permeated through as far as spoilers or different things that people talk about or, or lines that people mention yeah. and um and same with something like Star Wars or that, something that, as that, well where yes. <laughs> you're aware of the things but you don't really know how they happen so it, that's always an interesting experience going into a series where you maybe know of some key thing or are aware of something, but you also haven't read either. Yes, and kind of going through it in that in that kind of experience because you don't have the um, you don't have the ooh, you know, I can't wait for it. And there's also no there's no blind innocence either. You can't be genuinely um, affected by whatever comes with the way you would have reacted if you knew nothing because you do know. Something you yes. just don't really know how it happens, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I am your father from *Empire Strikes Back*. That is the pop culture example of that, where 
Everyone knows that line, but not. I mean, most actually, people. no one knows. No, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> well, no actually, one knows that. Wait, well, people yes. say Luke, Luke I am your father. father. Like, no, I am your yeah, father. Yeah, yeah, that's why I did not. I, I specifically did not say Luke. <laughs> but yes, like, but like everyone knows that line, but maybe not. I mean, most a lot of people have at least seen. But like, not everyone's seen Empire Strikes Back or like or love Star Wars or knows all the lore. But everyone kind of culturally knows that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of similarly, we were talking, we were talking about this there, uh, earlier without saying this specific thing. There's stuff in there are stuff there's stuff in the Mandalorian, and this is totally tangential. But like, a, this is more of a social media byproduct. But like, there are certain Mandalorian things that have kind of, kind of made their way onto the internet. That have happened in the show that like it almost might be or like you were saying inevitable to yeah because like, I, I haven't see. seen this so I would you haven't seen Mandalorian mm. oh yeah right yeah but but like even like slight even certain things that have like no, that aren't specifically Star Wars pages on given social media things right pop up and it's like oh well this character shows up here and did you see this cameo and I'm like mm-hmm. no I, I haven't why are you tell why are you telling me this yeah right well and so it's yeah, but but that's also tricky because it's not like I am your father. Where this movie's been out for like wow, 40, 30, 35 years. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. No, eight, no eighty. So yeah, Empire, 40, Empire is so 40, as old as I am. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. I'm an old man. Yes, <laughs> not not that you're an old man, but the Empire still <laughs> as you are. But <laughs> um, uh, but like that's that's one thing. As it's kind of baked into just the color. A cultural identity of baked into culture of sorts, uh, certainly in America, but uh, versus certain, say, like the Mandalorian. Oh, here's the scene that, like, well, if you don't know, well, now you know. And I guess the uh, the internet um, forces that communal joining that we've been talking about prematurely because there, it's yeah. it's just it's yes. just hyper connectivity. Yeah. So that sort of. Uh, Et, uh, etiquette of um, respecting someone's position, just it, it there's the, the human element is removed, so you just have knowledge, yeah, going, yeah. S- spreading everywhere. Well, and and going back to Game of Thrones and the internet, um, and oh, shit, I'm not going to remember which show it was, but there there was a TV show where um, like the producers said, oh yeah, like. But the first season was a huge success, and then the the internet and the fan base predicted something that we had planned to reveal in episode three, so we changed what we planned to reveal and decided to have it be a different character because we wanted the audience to be surprised. Mm-hmm. Wait, but, so the show actually did that? Yeah, the show, yeah, the producers actually said, oh. like, we're going to do that, okay. which, like, like, audience expectation is a powerful thing, which doesn't really exist or didn't exist pre-internet for books but always existed for TV shows and movies. Hmm. Um, Like you read a series of books and I personally have an expectation but it's not a communal expectation. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if there's going to be a series of books as an individual reader I don't have that many people to share my thought with. So our ability to forecast and to gather the minutia of the of everything that's happening in the books and pick up on details mm-hmm. is not going to be as far reaching as a Reddit subreddit on 
you know, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. where you have one person out of 85,000 say, oh, I noticed this. And because everyone is like, oh, shit, you're right, everyone can gravitate toward that. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I will say, though, that there are with certain, and maybe it's I spent time on, in particular, like the 17th Shard and some of the Sanderson stuff, like that, though, and the, the subreddits, they, those spaces are becoming more, like, prolific's not the word I'm looking for, like, more available and more popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those community places for books to have those kind of hive mind prediction type things is more common than it used to, than, mm. than it used to be, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. So maybe not quite to the extent of, say, Game of Thrones, the series... Uh, or the TV show, like, was, but, like, even, like, get it, even, even before the, I mean, even before the show started, I'm sure, without totally spoiling what it is and you don't know, the R plus L equals J theory is right. kind of like, that, that was something that book readers had figured out. I personally didn't catch on to it, mm. but, like, the clues were all there and the book readers, hive mind community, Found it. Well, yeah. and George R. R. Martin himself, in an interview, even said, like, people in book two on the internet found this theory that he himself said, like, I plan to reveal that in book six. They figured it out. I had a TV show to do. And he said, like, I have the, I have the choice. Do I change what I've been planning all along to mm. subvert mm. expectation yeah. and potentially have a better explosive mm-hmm. story or do I give in to the popular demand of yes we know that this is happening give it to us anyway and George R. R. Martin inevitably <clears throat> said like look this is what I had planned yes. it's foolish of mm-hmm. me to yep. just change this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the, the mob with their torches and pitchforks tell <clears throat> me to not to yeah here's, here's the thing um, I think that um managing audience expectations and trying to preserve that sort of watching or reading experience can be a worthwhile thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're deciding whether to um, go forward as planned in light of some feedback that you're getting or what your audience is guessing, I think the metric should be when... Yes, it would be nice to to um, manufacture some kind of um, reaction, but when you are looking back on the series as a whole from the finish, if you see a subpar element because of your trying to do that, then don't do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work yeah. out as a um, as a legacy. Yep, then sense. you cannot sacrifice that for um, a little bit more audience um, Reaction, immediate immediate or... gratification um, as great it might as it might be at the time because your legacy lasts longer. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, I mean, I'll look at the end of the sh- in terms of the like, your legacy lasts longer. Look at how the show ended. Oh God! How whenever you bring up Game of Thrones in a conversation. This is a very blanket statement, but chances are you bring up the show Game of Thrones in a conversation, and people will talk about the ending and roll their eyes how bad it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though, like, 
the first four or five seasons is some, well, at least in my opinion, some of the best television I've, or just stuff I've ever, like, experienced. <laughs> like, from just this general storytelling perspective, the ending is awful. <laughs> yeah. The creators and, <laughs> did not, did not realize what they were putting on the line. Right. They, they didn't, they thought that they could just, um, hurry up the clock and it would not cost them anything beyond um time and money <laughs> time and money and uh um you know some uh, like mean emails like 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 yeah. email. they like, don't yeah. the backlash yeah they thought that that's all they would but no it might have cost them the, 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 the remembrance of mm. what they did amazingly well. It took their achievements away from them. Well, and uh, there was someone who pointed out to me that three years ago, like Game of Thrones was ubiquitous. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yep. Oh, and yeah. now it has been all but eliminated from the zeitgeist. Like yeah. no one talks about yeah. it in retrospect anymore. Because mm-hmm. it was like, but like, the fact that, like, no one made the decision to culturally remove, remove it, it. Yeah. but no. the masses made that happen. And, it, it, you know, it's, um, you know, what is an ocean but a multitude of drops? But if you have all of these drops scattered across a, a, a long plane, not communicating with each other, but of a one same mind, it just inevitably happens that, yeah, that's just, that is the cultural opinion. Mob mm-hmm. mentality is a thing right. for better or for worse. Right. Mm-hmm. And with Game of Thrones, the mob had spoken. Right, well, yeah. and, and in contrast to Game of Thrones, if you look at Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Quartz, to a lesser degree in the Zeitgeist, but like, The Last Airbender, people talk, still talk, but well, part of it's like people still talk about that. Yeah. 10 plus years later, yeah. after it ended, still and, discovering good decisions yes, that yeah. they made. Yes, like little details, like, oh, I wrote this, or oh, they drew this in this, like, panel, that, or they, like, I wrote, or like, Zugo did, does this little thing that shows that he is, like, like somewhat on this path this early on, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they follow through with that. And, like, you see, oh, yeah. well, this this thing in book three, like, even though it's not a big plot thing, it's a little detail they brought back from season one for people that might have been paying attention or something like that. And that's the thing. Game of Thrones didn't follow through. What is the value of the things that we were talking about, um, you know, all the time from, right. or from seasons three and four? What if... One, um, there are no more theories to have. We know what is going to happen. And two, that in many cases, there is no um, or very, very lackluster payoff in conjunction with that setup in those scenes. That's no longer a complete or potentially complete thing to discuss or take take value from. So it just kind of falls apart. Well, additionally, the fact that in Game of Thrones, um, there were contradictions, i.e. fast travel. Like, and that genuinely, but that that (laughs) genuinely was, um, if you have a moment where Mm -hmm. you you 
are breaking consistency to the point where as an audience you are confused and that confusion does remove you from the moment Mm -hmm. you can't repair that like that genuinely is wait a second how is Jon Snow talking to Daenerys it takes a month and a half to get from Storm's End to to you know um, Castle Black yeah Yeah, to wherever yeah like how is this happening well they don't explain that well, I need that. In, either you need to explain it, or you need to say, "Oh, we've been expecting you for the last two months." But the fact that there was a precedent over the previous six seasons that they just threw out the window, and but like, that sort of incongruency can divorce someone from the experience. That I feel was more of the reason why. Game of Thrones was unsuccessful because mm-hmm. there was that that divorcing of previously understood mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you, it's you, it's too late. You can't be loose with that now. We have yeah. the expectations. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's like the kind of setup and like payoff. I mean, one of his lectures, Sanderson talks about it in terms of like setup and payoff. Not not quite expectation. His, his example is like. For setup and like payoff for expectation, I'm not going to go into that whole thing because it's not quite relevant to what you guys are saying right now. But yeah, like the expectation was there, and that's like with Stormlight, like it seems like his something he's really trying to stick with is that setup and payoff, and that there are certain things that he is setting up in say Way of Kings that will like come to play in Book Five and uh, well, and Book Ten. Like my my favorite. You told me, yeah, yeah. Q and A thing with him is that I probably I know I've mentioned this on a podcast, but at a Q and A, someone asked him, "What book are you looking forward to writing the most?" And this is back like before like Oathbringer was published or something. And he says he just said book ten without hesitation, but yeah, without hesitation. So it's like without hesitation and no elaboration. So it's mm-hmm. like okay, even if some of these outline changes, the outline of the series changes, enough of it is like set up. Like, he has enough of his setup that he knows specific things that he's going to do with book 10 that are going to pay off from setup from book as early as book 1. When you realize that, um, that's probably written down somewhere. Oh, it, no, the it ending. is. Oh, oh, it totally is. So he, it exists. No, oh, it, it is in. It is on a physical no, it's, computer chip. No, he. Yes, no, here's the thing. That it's, exists. It's, it's in his wiki. Like Peter and I got. Like some. There, there are certain people in a dragon seal, like and his, like on his team that, that probably have act. That there, I bet there are probably maybe two or three people within his team. Two, three, maybe four people within his team that could probably, if they wanted to, go look up the ending of Stormlight. Right. But here's the thing, is it, like, fully written down, or is it, like, okay, like, here's, like, everything, everything that rises must converge, and books 9 and 10 is everything falling down, and then, like, the last two chapters is everything settling? He probably knows, like, okay, here, here, here is where everything settles. Here is where everything will eventually end up and we're, here's like all the pieces that when they get moved on the board, here are their final resting places. Mm-hmm. He's probably still figuring out how he's getting those pieces into that position. Uh, and that's part of a process of writing. Kind mm-hmm. of. So here's, I think, be, this is what I remember from some sort of QA a while ago. He said, I think this was when he was outlining Oathbringer, 
like he had said, I think it was like a three-page outline for Oathbringer, a two-page outline for like what was done book four, and, and then like, and, but then he had a page-long outline for each of the next six books. Yeah. So like, I think there is some of that, but I do think he does have specific plot points. Oh yeah, the, the big plot points for all the books that he's going to hit. I think I, I think potentially for. Um, two or three major scenes he has the scenes written. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. And, fact, and, and they're probably very rough. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean... they're there. The, the, the fact that the original version of this story was written in 2000, like, the Way of Kings Prime is a thing that exists and is, is now technically published, even if it's waiting to be shipped from, like, the Kickstarters with stuff, but, like... Like there are verse, there's stuff from the story that was published as early as twenty years ago, and mm-hmm. probably like early, like in his mind, a little early, germs of it were earlier yeah. than that. Like yeah. it's nuts, but yeah. And in fact, there are certain there are certain scenes that he has explicit. Well, there's a couple he's explicitly said like I these were scenes that I had in my mind when I conceived of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I need to interject something. Brandon Sanderson has a master's degree in writing. The man needs to learn how to use a fucking comma. Oh, because he does not have a grasp of how to use a comma. I, I, I and, don't have an argument against and any He has editors. <laughs> and these editors clearly don't care. <laughs> he has okay, editors so, and a lot of alpha and beta readers. But yeah. yeah so yeah. are we talking about comma use in a strictly grammarian sense yes. or in or in a uh spoken grammarian. pacing sense grammarian. because i i would say that spoken pacing is, of use of commas is more important than strict grammarian usage in in particular types of writing like in his type of writing i would argue that so i I'm, I'm going to be a very niche area but i know my comma rules inside and out yeah like i <clears throat> I'm anti-Oxford comma, and I will give you examples of why it is more confusing than implementing it. Ultimately, both can lead to confusion and both can lead to clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. why both are acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the examples that people use about, like, here's why the Oxford comma is useful. It's like, actually, no. Like, what you created were two coordinate clauses. You're actually creating blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, the word to, T-O-O. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Should be offset by commas. Yeah, I too am interested in storm mm, like I okay. comma two comma should be yeah, interested in this. Sure, yeah. And the number of times where he would say I too am interested without offsetting, as someone who knows what the rule is, subconsciously I am expecting to see commas when I see that word, and when I don't, if I am like very trance and very like involved in in mm-hmm. the story, and I see a punctuation mistake. Mm-hmm. I am ripped from the experience. And I'm coming from a sense of of reading um, uh, theatrical scripts where Hmm. commas have completely different rules. Right. Where, like, if I'm reading something out loud, yeah, I'm supposed to interpret that as a pause. Where if there were, if it just said I too am, like, I'm reading that as if there is no pause. Whereas if he did put commas, I would be interpreting that Mm -hmm. as they are taking a pause here before continuing the sentence so I think in terms of a because this exists both in you know written and also in audiobook forms um, 
maybe the way that it's written is more akin to reading it in your mind rather than what is actually grammatically correct in terms of the way that that um, scene is being experienced in, in real time. Although, yes, yes it would be yeah. nice to have the yes. in Though, it, but I feel like that's more yeah. of what, the style it's written in. Yeah, and I, like, I, I'm glad you brought up the specific example because that um, makes me want to add the caveat that like not not all instances of comma or not comma are created equal. Right. In the sense, like, I don't think that there's... To, to take out the commas is just... It seems to be, to be more than anything else a misinterpretation through common speech of just simply not knowing or more likely forgetting right that, i think that, it's that morning yeah that they're not there um they, yeah, and, and to interrupt and i'll let you continue but like mm-hmm. people think that a comma is a pause that we're taught so in mm-hmm. that sentence like i too am interested in going i didn't pause so why would i need commas but mm-hmm. well technically i'm offsetting but yeah so again mm-hmm. it's like it's not it's just like oh well it's i don't I'm not pausing, so I don't need the comma. So it's just, I just don't think that I need that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Right, right. Um, but um, that, that to me is different. And hey, there's another example. That to me yeah. is, mm-hmm. is um, different than... I, it, the other kind of example is hard because it's just a, a, a writer's judgment situation when you have like... It's not just a decision about one word and whether it's offset or not, but rather you have a whole, let's say, uh, 15-word sentence with um, two or three clauses Mm -hmm. where it just, like, it's like you run it through whatever you (laughs) and and, uh, say, say, okay, this is how the commas work. This doesn't sound right now. And... The and it's a tricky thing because you said it takes it for for you it takes you out of the right. experience. I am strongly for the cardinal rule that the first and only purpose of writing is to communicate what you're trying to communicate, yeah. or to um, slash evoke what you're trying to evoke. Mm-hmm. There are no other because because there are beautiful pieces of writing that have terrible syntax because that is the purpose of it. That's oh, the yeah. character's voice or whatever. Um, and commas can, uh, it, both in their correct grammatical usage and in their in the moment instinctual um, application, contribute or distract from reader satisfaction. Right. Yeah, I guess I'll, this is going to be very reductive, but I don't really. Caring. I know, I know. I, 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 and this I, is also super off topic, I, so I apologize no, going no, down this path. Well, it, it, we, we don't. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I read a lot, but I don't have an English degree, and like, don't like know as much about like the specific like specific grammar rules. I, I personally, it's, it's not, it's not a big deal to me. But like, also, but the, it's also fantasy. And well, in, the, I, uh, in the in the world in the world okay. in the world of of reaching beyond our own world, I feel like in the same way that I would in theater have a certain suspension of disbelief when I'm watching a show. I kind of have that same thing when I'm reading a book, especially if it's if it takes place in an area that's not natural to our own life experiences. 
Um, and so maybe in that world, I don't know. <laughs> no, in that world, no, 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 you're asking at straws on that one. No, so. I, I, okay, no, no, I know what you're saying, I, but as I know what you're saying, but there are others like Patrick Rothfuss and Georgia R. Martin, where they're the the white more of the yeah. writing word like specific like the uh, the general grammatical or writer writerly right. stuff is. Like more of the, there's more of focus on that. Yeah. So 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 I would push back a little. I would I would push back on the specific fantasy phrasing. Right. But but I, I get your point. More specifically, Sanderson is not the writer that you go to for that. No. Um. And Despite the fact wait, that he has a degree in writing, but although, but he there are I will push there are parts that he he can have. He, there are some. There are some excellently written sections of his books, but it is generally it is generally not his strength. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he can write a great story. He is not a master of turning a phrase. He's not a master of it, but he can do it. Yeah, there he are, can. There are yeah. certain parts that I would point to. But sorry, John, you were saying mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean, you kind you sort of completed my thought for me. Um. Word word choice or diction is the other thing that mm. I would just put in for. Um, I forget, like right in this very recording, we we had an example of of uh, word choice that was not the best. Oh, from, Tim, did you put? Um, no, we did. But re- regardless, yeah, regardless. Um, that is. Uh, it's also a um, prose centered. Right. Yes. Um, Yes. Concern, mm-hmm. which um, is not what people read his books for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or, or at least generally. Yeah. Or, or certainly in comparison to other um, authors in the genres. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, so. I I think Rob, we that so this was a a very uh, about. A very bouncy, yeah, bouncy, yeah, bouncy episode. Um, yeah, I, like, I, I feel yeah. like we, we talked a lot about like series in general and using Stormlight as the foundation for like is, experiencing a series. Which, yeah, it, yeah, that's kind of yeah, like I think what we generally we started with, right? Uh, yeah, because and there's like definitely so much more that could be unpacked. Because like one thing that I, I don't want to talk about tonight, but like one thing you reading Dune is like the first three Dune books. Um, are in, in very compartmentalized. Like the distance yeah. between book one and book two of do is twelve years, right, and then two of three is is fifteen. But, yeah, like yeah, like book two is like an epilogue slash coda of sorts. Yeah, one. But then between books three and books four is thirty five hundred years, and oh then books goodness. four and book five is like fifteen thousand years. And uh, the Foundation series follows yeah, Foundation a similar... Yes, yeah. even, even like book one. Book one is like, all right, like Harry Seldon is doing this, and now we're going to go to like Mallow the Merchant, and that's like 500 years in the future. And it's like book one is even like big jumps in, oh, in wow. progression. Um, and books two and three also have like... Um, Kind of follow the same like linearity, but um, well, actually, like halfway through, foundation is funny because halfway through book one, ta- to halfway through book two, is 
a yes, a, yeah, a, like a continuous. Is that the when's the, time is that the mule? When's the mule? The mule's the, the end mule of book is, two. The, oh, the, the mule is halfway of... through two to halfway through. Three. Okay, yeah, okay, because no, the okay. empire is still active at the beginning of book. Yes, two, whereas right. the last half of book three is really its own contained. Yes. Yeah, which is like. Foundation versus foundation. Yeah, the second, I really like. Yeah, yeah. the second foundation. Yeah, um, the second but foundation. going back to like the series thing, like let's look at the expanse. Which there, there's the thirty year gap, but it's still the same characters. But you have nine books that are like yes. the same main characters throughout. You have Stormlight, which I'm envisioning because I again minor spoilers. I know that the book four, like who the the uh, flashback characters yes. are, yeah. but like yeah. knowing those, that books, those are not. He's released all of the flashback characters for all the books. So, like, knowing that, like, the first arc is a very contained, like, this is, like, one historical event of a series. Yes. Game of Thrones is one historical event of a series. Harry Potter is one historical event of a series. The Dune Saga... You know, it. it, the fact that it's 20,000 years of history... In a universe. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Which is, well, which is. And that's a whole other separate Yeah, topic, whole, yeah which is very, very interesting, but like some of the individual books, you're like, okay, do I. No, no, yeah. We're not even gonna. We need to just touch some of that right now. No, but I think using Stormlight as a springboard to talk about mm-hmm. how you experience reading a series of books and how, like, just talking about series of books in general, because, um, Going back to what I originally stated, having read Mistborn by Sanderson mm-hmm. and knowing that he could do a trilogy, oh, yeah. or uh, now now a first half of a trilogy, but you could easily divorce the two of them. Um, knowing that, okay, this is someone who, from word one of being on the Ska estate, yes. and this person being like, what what's that Ska in the field? Why is he standing up like... And, and, like, getting, like, the ash was falling from the sky yes. all the way to the end of, mm. and now the sky is blue. Oh, here, 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 here of Ages. Yeah. Yeah. Like, getting to the end of Hero of Ages, like, and the sky is blue. Um, that he knew exactly, point it, he knew, he knew how he wanted to get from A to K, and he just had to actually write A to B to C to D, mm-hmm. and he kind of knew... In the middle, like, okay, I have this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to be C or D or E, but I know this is something that I want, and I just need to know, like, I need to get to it in the writing right. before I know where it gets inserted. Oh, yeah. So with Stormlight yes. as a series, mm-hmm. I feel very confident that mm-hmm. I will have a very satisfying, very rewarding, and exceptional reading experience when I get to the end, just like I did at Hero... Like, Hero of Ages had a wonderful ending. The Hero mm. of Ages is one of my favorite endings ever. Yeah. Probably, like... My, uh, if you're to ask me what my favorite ending ever is, just as a very blanket statement, I'm probably going to say Wheel of Time. But, like, just because of, like, how well it concluded this massive thing. But, like, Hero of Ages is, like, inching on that just because of, like, how perfectly it just completes everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but that might be yeah. a conversation for another time, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. Right, well, until that time, um, we're your host, John. And Johnny, and with us t- tonight were... Tim. And Aaron. All right, well, uh, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.